Today's show is brought to you by Rosetta Stone. Check them out at www.rosettapodcast.com slash holdingbackboard. That's www.rosettapodcast.com slash holdingbackboard. Let's go! everybody welcome to the 114th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling in southern oregon and uh welcome to the realm of the real where the real can chill and the fake have no appeal and uh since it is a pretty legendary day blazers are in the playoffs in the third seed and they're playing the new orleans pelicans i have to shout out one of my very good friends who also is a New Orleans legend, and that is Mr. Sean Dalye, aka DJ Real. He started one of the first uh, graffiti crews in New Orleans called the Top Mob. One of the best DJs I've ever seen. Taught me how to blend songs, taught me how to do all the DJing things that I know how to do. So, shout out to you, Mr. DJ Real. Rest in peace, brother. Sage, how are you feeling right now? This, you have to be, this has to be the most bittersweet moment of the entire (laughs) season. Maybe of our entire friendship. New Orleans Pelicans game, I was nervous the entire time. I didn't truly believe we were going to win. And honestly, I like, if I'm talking about it as like a Pelicans fan... This is the the matchup you'd rather have when the only two options are Blazers Rockets. So like as a fan you're wanting it to win but like as doing this show and being a Blazer fan it's like ah I'm going to be hated for a few days, you know, a few a week maybe two, which doesn't really bother me, but cuz I am part of the real ones. Uh but you know watching the Pelicans game I was nervous. I didn't think we were actually going to win, but when it was like Three minutes left, and we put in the human victory cigar, instant grits, Michael Jordan Crawford. I knew it was time, and I accepted the reality that I'm going to have to talk about these two teams in a playoff setting. And then I came to the realization, no other Blazer podcast has a guy that's watched 70-plus Pelican games on the uh, <laughs> as, a, as a host. So... As a podcaster, I'm very excited. As a fan and as a person, it's kind of bittersweet. But uh, here I am. I'm recording. I'm happy. I shouted out DJ Real. It is all good. I'm very happy to be here. And how did Portland get to the three seed, the 2018 Northwest Division champs? They got there by beating arguably the hottest team in the NBA in 2018, the Utah Jazz were, I believe, something ridiculous like 34 or 28 and 6 over the last 34 games coming into tonight. Winners of six straight. They needed this one more than Portland did. Based upon the results with Oklahoma City beating Memphis, your Pelicans taking care of the Spurs, the Jazz were in a unique position where they needed to win to lock in home court advantage against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Portland was locked in to the, the New Orleans Pelicans regardless of it being the three seed or the four seed, 
and it made me happy to see them go out and try and achieve one of those goals, which was winning the Northwest Division Championship, ending that four-game losing streak, and having some form of momentum going into the postseason. Because, Sage, we were looking pretty rough after that four-game trip. Everyone's legs looked like they were shot. Nobody could throw into the ocean. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of home cooking. Maybe see your kid. Maybe sleep in your same bed. Whatever it was, the Blazers got their groove back in a big way. They defeated the Jazz 102-93 in a game that really wasn't as close as the score indicated. Uh, Portland was led by the brilliance of Damian Lillard, who really showed why he should be a first-team All-NBA point guard. 36 points, 13 of 25 from the field, including 4 of 10 from downtown, a perfect 6 of 6 from the charity stripe, and even more impressive, 10 assists, zero turnovers against one of the best defenses in the entire NBA. That is an amazing stat considering a blocked shot counts as a turnover. Gobert didn't touch him once. CJ really got into his groove. He had a beautiful up and under. Uh, The give and go with Nurk in the first half was beautiful. And we finally got some bench contribution. Shabazz looked like he found his shot back. Wade was playing some great defense. Ed got grabbed eight boards you know, finish around the rim. And most importantly, Alfred Camino and Evan Turner only combined to shoot 10 total field goals and four total threes. The fewer amount of shots both of those players take, the better it is going to be for the Trailblazers because you got guys like Dame, CJ, and you're taking the bulk of your shots. Uh, Sage, how happy were you to see the Blazers come out and actually look like the team that had won 13 games straight? I'm happy the Blazers did well, but it looked like if I was a Jazz fan, I'd be upset. They kind of made a game of it, but then you look at the body language of that team, and it's like they couldn't care less about the the, the final score of that game. And like you said, it it affects their seeding. So to see us demoralize a team was pretty fucking cool. And especially the Utah Jazz. Like I have beef with the Jazz since like 1990, 91. Like since Malone, Stockton, Jerry Sloan. Jeff Malone, all the motherfuckers. Like, mm. the Jazz will always be a top three most disliked team in all eternity. And it started with those playoff rivalries. And tonight was essentially a playoff game. And, you know, I'm glad we didn't lay down for the Jazz. You know, fuck those guys. I don't want them winning the, the division championship. And I could care less that the division champion title is so de-emphasized in today's NBA. I don't care. I think there is something to be said to say that after the end of 82 games in the most loaded division in the league, mm-hmm. you, you were tops. We're not mm-hmm. going to raise a banner. We already have one up there. We'll just probably etch in 2017-18 up there. But it still feels good. It, it, it's the step in the right direction. And I just don't think you want to go into the playoffs Losers of five straight, like exactly. That was that was what I was feeling, man. Like that's, it, it's good for the morale. This is a game that they fought extremely hard to win, and they're going into the playoffs with, you know, at least we we beat a Jazz team that was, you know, playing their ass off. They were they were the hottest team, and we stuffed them at our home court. This is going to be good for the playoffs. My question is. Is there a chance that the Jazz are like a Scott Skiles coach team where they go 100% in the playoffs and when you 
when you play against a team that's also going 100%, they're going to look like the, uh, a team that doesn't belong because, you know, they're, they're bleeding scorers, a rookie, you know, they, they play a slow brand of basketball. Is there a chance that they just are the, uh, uh, the, the team that is the disappointment of the playoffs? I think that is an extremely valid point, and along with the fact that they have no offense if Donovan Mitchell is 6 of 23. If you mm-hmm. can limit Joe Ingles to only two three-point attempts, um, that has always been my concern with the Utah Jazz, with or without Gordon Hayward. And we saw tonight that when they're not hitting their shots, they they don't have anyone right now who can really break you down off the dribble time and time again. Donovan Mitchell, as amazing as he is, is still a rookie. He can do it in flashes, but they just don't have those creators. And mm-hmm. when you're in the playoffs and the, the intensity, everyone is matching your intensity. So you're not going to catch anyone off guard. It's not going to be a back-to-back or you know a three-games-and-four-nights scenario. They do have a chance, I think, to disappoint. On the flip side, their defense, given Rudy Gobert and their coaching in Quinn Snyder and their home court advantage, they're always going to be a tough out. The Jazz are a team that I don't think is as hot as they were wherever a Western Conference title contender, um, but they're also a team that's not going to lay over and die because they do give 100%, especially on the defensive end of the floor. So no matter who plays that team, be prepared for six or seven games. Yeah, they're, the the Thunder are going to get battered and beaten. Like you saw it with this game. Like they they might not be the most talented, but they're going to beat you up time and time and time again. And that eventually goes, is going to take a toll on you when you don't want to get bumped for the three thousandth time in, in a seven game series. Like I guess that number is a little high, but like when you get bumped every possession, eventually that might break some players. Also, fuck Jay Crowder for that hip check. I I thought he needed to be taken out of that game, and it it wasn't. I mean, of course you got to protect him, but if I was if I was Quinn Snyder, I would have called the timeout instantly and got his ass out of that game because if the league takes notice of that, it gives you a suspension. But you don't want to like have such a sour, an extra sour note into a playoff series. You want to be having a clean slate. And if Jay Crowder tried to start shit, which he did, but like if he tried to start more shit, it could have been even worse for the 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 Jazz. Portland escapes basically, you know, best case scenario. They go out there, they get their division title. They defeat a division rival. They get the three seed. They get the New Orleans Pelicans. Dame and CJ kind of find their groove. Everyone seems to the the average the law of averages that CJ talks about really kind of came back in, into Portland's favor. And I don't think <clears throat> the night could have gone much better for Portland. So after 82 games, Portland ends with 49 wins, 33 losses, and will take on the New Orleans Pelicans. Thankfully, the NBA decided to finally release the playoff schedule. It's 12.13 a.m. right now, so we do this for you. Uh, we, wa- we want to be the, the, the pod that is going to cover everything first. And... Rave Sleater Snow, the real ones deliver. 
you know, sleep or no sleep, you know, no sleep till the postseason, right? You know, shout out to the Beastie Boys. But Portland starts Saturday night, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific on ESPN. Uh, Tuesday, April 17th, TNT, 7.30. The series shifts to the Crescent City on Thursday and Saturday, the 19th and the 21st. Comes back for a potential Game 5 on Tuesday, the 24th. Back to New Orleans on my birthday, the 26th, for Game 6. And if there is a Game 7, it will be Saturday, April 28th. Sage, I cannot wait to see both you and Evan in Portland this weekend. The the, the late-night tip gives us so much time to pregame. Absolutely. And, I mean... We're gonna be there at that uh that Blazers game three watch party for a but for something special. I'm driving up so I can hang out with the crew for game three. So I'm gonna be burning up I five in the next week, man. I, I'm ready. Anytime that I can hang out with you and Evan and Neela and Team Mom and everybody, I'm taking that opportunity. Bullying Stu to come to the uh, to the watch party. I, I mean, I'm hoping that all the homies come out get for game three. But we're, you know, game one, I get to have some bonding time with my guy, Dustin. And then I get to bug Evan about some clothes. Because Holy Backboard needs that merch. So, I'm, it, it's, a, it, it, it's, a, it's a business trip. Along with me having a lot of fun and probably annoying some people. So, let's dive right into the series between the Blazers and the Pelicans. It was split evenly, 2-2 throughout the regular season. Uh, Portland picking up the first win at home on opening night, 103-93, with the Pelicans taking the next two, uh, 123-116 in Portland back on December 2nd, and January 12th, 113, a 119 victory for the Pelicans before the Blazers tied up that season series. 107-103, that was the game where Damian Lillard basically said, hop on, I'm putting you on my back, goes off for 41 points, ties the season series. And what I said on Twitter while we were waiting for the schedule to be released is I saw a lot of confident Blazer fans, and I, and I feel like you're in for a rude awakening if you're confident. If you're any team in the playoffs right now and you're confident, I don't even think the Rocket fans have a right to be confident right now with the draw that they got. And the two superstars they happen to have. They fade in playoffs. So you have every playoff series in Western Conference is going to be tight. And we've discussed this for the past month or so. No matter who we draw in the first round, it's probably going to go six or seven games. There's probably not going to be any blowouts. And as I said two weeks ago, the reason the Pelicans scare me is because they have a player that can match Dame's God mode in Anthony Davis. Anytime you have that equal on the opposition on the opposite side of the court, there's always reason to pause. And don't go into this. Don't be that fan. Don't be that guy thinking we're just gonna, you know, rip city on the ass, all that bullshit, that we're just gonna steamroll the Pelicans. Now if we do, that would be amazing. But I just don't see it happening. The way that I've seen these two teams play over the course of four games leads me to believe it is going to be a tight, tight, hotly contested series. 
Yeah, dog. Like, I, I see Blazers Twitter. They say, Pelicans are the, are the ultimate team. That's the team we want. And then you go on Pelicans Twitter? It's the same shit. So, like, I, I went on a few radio shows in the last few weeks. And they talked about the New Orleans wants this team. They want us. So it's not going to be... New Orleans isn't going to roll over. And they're not going to be scared of the moment. This team is going to fight really hard, tooth and nail. And what I saw in that Spurs game, that defense was some of the best defense I've seen a team play in a long time. Their pick and roll, especially with Anthony Davis is on the court with Drew Holiday and playoff Rondo, that's going to be that that it's going to be a war. It's not going to be an easy rollover type game. It, it's going to be seven games of hell. Looking at that game one this Saturday at 7.30, you're the Pelican expert. What should Blazer fans look out for? How can we expose the Pelicans? What can they do that gives Portland problems? You know, there there's a guy that I talk about in a pretty negative light a few, uh, throughout the year in Evan Turner. I think this is going to be a pretty damn big Evan Turner series because I don't know if Terry will do it, but the 1-3 pick and roll where you put Evan Turner, uh, Pelican switch everything. So 1-3 pick and roll. You put Rondo on Evan Turner and have him box, have him post him up. That is a very good way to get Rondo out of the game because I don't think he can cover Evan Turner. And what I will say about Rondo, playoff Rondo is a legitimate thing. I've seen it in the games where we need wins. There's going to be a half in the next in this series where you and I get on this podcast and say, Rondo was the best guard on the court. Better than Dame, better than CJ, better than Drew. There's going to be a half of ball where this guy looks like Boston Rondo. So be prepared for that. But I, I think if we can bully him, it makes it makes that whole offense less fluid. And of course, like stay on stay on the Pelicans shooters. I know how uh tempting it is to try and help on Anthony Davis, but sometimes you just gotta let him do him. So if you were Coach Terry Stotts, you would not double A D. You would make Anthony Davis put the team on his back. I would play I would put I would uh yeah, I would I would cover the wings because the Pelicans got shooters. Uh, Darius Miller, each one more shot forty percent from three for a reason. So cover them. I would. Uh, I would back off Drew because if you let him shoot, that's a victory. So I would have Dame sag. You can sag off Rondo, but you can't let those wing players shoot because that's what they want to do. When you make them put it on the floor. They're going to make mistakes. Each one more has no moves to get from three-point to the basket unless it's a one-cut. Same with Ian Clark. Same with Solomon. But if you make them just sit, stand and shoot, they're pretty good. So make those guys creators and make Rondo and Drew shoot. Oh, and Nico. I, I don't know what it is about shaving that beard, but he turned into a different player. I mean, that's the X Factor. If he's hidden, 
And he does not like the Smoothie King arena. He is an away from home type of guy. He's been, he was the main reason, like the four headed monster of the Pelicans, and why we've won games that we needed to win in the last five. I was watching the post game show after Portland defeated Utah, and Dwight James, whether you like him or not, I think had a valid point. For one of the first times in a while in a playoff series, I feel like Portland has a coaching advantage with Terry Stotts over Alvin Gentry. Um, I don't. And I'll tell you why. I've never been a fan of, of Alvin Gentry coach teams. I don't care about Uncle Alvin. It's about Darren Ehrman. Ehrman, I think, is going to be a major factor. He's the defensive coordinator for the team, the associate head coach. Um, he, he developed the... Uh, the Golden State system and the Celtics defensive schemes. That dude is a gamer. He's going to come up with a very good plan to play some good defense. And then with the Pelicans offense, they're very free flowing, but Anthony Davis is always involved. So I would say head coaches. Yes. Terry Stotts is better than uncle Alvin, but as a staff, as a cohesive staff, I'm going with the Pelicans like Jameel McMillan, Nate's young uh, son is going to be a head coach in a few years. I can promise you that. How much does playoff experience play into this? Anthony Davis has only played one series, and that was... Never won a game. That was, I think, three years ago. Yep. So they got swept by Golden State. Um, has Drew ever made the playoffs? I think with Philadelphia, when it was Iggy and uh, him, I think they made it once. But, I mean, you got a... You gotta, NBA champion in Rondo. It, He's been it, there it, three it, years. Rondo and Ian Clark's bench, yeah. bench bench capabilities off the Warriors. Yep, yep. So I think that is something to to keep in mind. Oh, I guess Nico. I guess. Yeah, that's something to keep in mind because Portland. The last time they had home court, that was really the first time any of them had ever played in the postseason, and the Rockets kind of came out. And really took advantage of us, and I think outsmarted us, played with more focus, more poise, and just made overall smarter decisions. I think Portland. This is the fifth year Damian Lillard's made the playoffs. They've obviously been there, done that. I think if the game gets gets close, that could play play a part in, in what determines the outcome. But you know, I think when you're looking at teams that really finished two to three losses away from each other, it's going to come down to the little things that's going to determine this series. But specifically for game one, Sage, what is your X factor? Nico Meritic and uh, Rondo, how they perform in that first game. Uh, I think AD is going to be a consistent, even if he, he, like that Spurs game, he played probably his worst ball of the season. But he still contributed in a lot of ways. Drew Holiday is looking more and more confident. But if Nico can hit his threes, cut, um, and Rondo can, you know, you got to dare Rondo to shoot. If he misses or makes those shots, it's going to be a big factor in whether he's finishing games or it's Ian Clark or, you know, whomever. And each one more did hurt his ankle in the game. So they might be shorthanded to start the series. And since they've been the most injured team in the NBA, they don't really have the depth that they would like. I mean, like, Solomon Hill's recovering from a torn hamstring, and he's, like, he's playing basketball at a level where 
you know, when you've been on a court with five, four other players that are better than you, you just defer, defer, defer. That's Solomon Hill. So that the the depth might even be an issue if Moore can't go. But I I think he might be. I think it's just a little ankle and it is playoffs. What are your thoughts with Cousins out of the lineup, putting Yusuf Nurkic on Anthony Davis at times during the series? That's going to be a weird... It, Nurk is that X, X factor for the Blazers. Remember in game, the fourth game of the season, that third quarter of his was pretty fantastic. He just bullied Emeka. He bullied Czech Diallo. Anthony Davis would hobble, so he bullied him. Like Nurk could really be that X factor in the series where you just get the fuck out of his way and let him roll rumble, big man rumble. You know, he had 21 on 10 of 14 shooting, 10 boards, and 4 blocks. That is, I think, an advantage if the Pelicans don't put a guy like Anthony Davis on him. And even then, if he takes his time, he's going to be really strong and he might be able to finish around the rim. We've seen him, he had a couple of dunks tonight. Like, he's starting to look like the the Nurk Fever from, from last spring, the way he's finishing around the rim. And so if we're talking about X-Factors, I think there's there's a handful for me. But first and foremost, it has to be foul trouble for Yusuf Nurkic. Every time we go into a game where we need him to play big minutes because the other team has a dominant big man, we need him to be on the floor. He cannot pick up cheap fouls, early fouls, because I that is going to throw the rotation completely out of whack and really remove Portland's pick-and-roll threat remove Portland's uh, interior threat. So Nurk staying out of foul trouble is numero uno for me in terms of X-Factors. The other one is going to be the running mates. So Damian Lillard, I have no doubts or concerns in my mind that he is going to play like a first-team All-NBA point guard in this series. question will be, is he going to get help? And where is he going to get help from? We saw tonight that CJ finally found his shot and was able to really gain the attention of the opposing defense, which allowed Dame to operate whenever he got the rock. So is CJ going to be the one that steps up? Are we going to get buckets from from Nurk? We start looking at the bench. Baz, is Ed Davis going to give us a couple buckets around the rim? I think it's got to be a team effort because there might be one or two games in the playoffs where you can win when Dame just goes off and gives you 40. But I don't think that's going to win you an entire series. So I think we really need to get the most out of our role players. Um, And last but not least, we really need to limit the amount of field goal attempts from an Evan Turner and an Alfred Rukunu. Unless these are coming off of driving dishes, I don't want to see either of them shooting a three-point shot. In the last game that we played the Pelicans, which I feel like is the most relevant because, one, it happened like two weeks ago, and two, the rosters were completely different every other time we played. They both combined to shoot four of 13 from three. Chief was two of 10 in particular. So that's always been a strategy of opposing teams, especially in the playoffs, is to see what Chief can do uh, when left open. And as much as I hate it, like how he performs, if he's hitting, we're, I think, basically unbeatable. If he's, if, 
if he's not, though, then you're going to have to see, you know, can, can do you go small? Do you go three-guard lineup? Do you, get, do you let Baz, you know, go off a bit? But it's going to be tough because in the postseason, everyone plays good defense. And that's what they said on, on Talking Ball afterwards. Everyone plays good defense, but can you score on those good defenses? Because everyone's bringing it. Like you mentioned, everyone's got intensity. Everyone's locked in. Can you find a way to get a bucket in the postseason? Can you operate in the half court? And I think that's where Portland, not thriving in fast break points, actually plays to their advantage because they're used to playing a little bit slower pace. They're used to grinding out games. They've got guys that you can just say, clear out, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to get us a bucket. And Pelicans are the fastest paced team since Boogie went out. One thing I want to say about the Nurk factor, like Anthony Davis draws eight free throws a game. So Nurk, if Nurk does that frustration foul, it, it's going to be a quick night for him because AD draws fouls better than 99% of people. Like I think he and Dame shoot the same amount of free throws a game, like average. So we can't afford to have our best rim protector and help defender foul out because it will pick and roll happen and he made a wrong read and then reaches reaches for the 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 steal that will never happen and pick up a foul like you can't you can't we can't cheat ourselves out of 30 minutes of nurk against this team no way um yeah, it's a clash of styles, man. Fast pace versus more slow. I, I think rebounding has to be a factor. The Pelicans, for the last like month and a half, have been attacking the rebounds. Every missed shot, AD's going for it. Drew Holiday. So it has to be a team effort of boxing out and getting that rebound. Sealing out AD. Sealing out Nico. Sealing out Check. Sealing out Drew. Who, or And Rondo. Rondo's going to get... I mean, yo... Playoff Rondo, free agent Rondo, he's going after some boards. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Wade Baldwin? We saw Coach bring him off the bench as the first reserve tonight against the Utah Jazz. Played pretty damn good defense and made a couple good passes. He hit a three in the corner. Plays with, with more composure than you would expect for a guy who doesn't have a mm. ton of NBA experience. Do you see him being a do you see him playing in game one or being a factor? And if so, in what capacity? I would never put him on Rondo because dude's too tricky. I mean, Rondo's been in the league for 45 years. He's going he's gonna to get that excitable young guy into foul trouble. But if you wanted to put him on Drew or Ian Clark, for instance, uh, have at it, young man. And it, it's weird. Like, when it was Denver game, he didn't see the floor. But in a game where we need, I we needed to win just for, you know, self confidence. He was the first one off the bench. I think he's starting to get that confidence from Terry Stotts, which is a good thing. But I, I would def, I would love to see what he could do on Ian Clark. Like, yeah, I was. I, Ian's handle is not good. I was so thinking Drew. Drew's been giving us problems this year. He had a triple double in the last meeting: twenty one, eleven, and eleven shot uh over 50 percent nine of 17 from the floor and you know i would i would see if, if drew starts to to cook a little bit do you bring Wade in and see what see what he can do all right sage game one how do you see it unfolding tough battle 
Also, I want to talk about Drew's defense. He is the best defensive guard in the league. He's gonna he's gonna be a problem for our two guards. But tough game. Blazers win. It's it's going seven, but Blazers get. I think Portland grinds it out. I think it's gonna be a tough knit, gritty game, possibly low scoring. Maybe midway through the fourth, Portland kind of gets what the Spurs got when we played them and managed nobly hit back-to-back threes and kind of broke that game open a bit. I could see something happen like that with either Dame or CJ hitting a couple big buckets. I think Portland wins 94-88. It's a good one. I think it'll be a little more high scoring, but Blazers definitely go on a little bit of a run. You know, the Pelicans guards get a little too antsy with the ball, make some stupid passes. But uh, I think Blazers win this first one, but the Blazers are going to feel it. Who do you have winning the series? All right, Blazers in seven. But I will say, any, like it, it, the, the margin of error is very thin, but Blazers in seven. But, you know, things can change in, you know, games. But right now, my prediction, Blazers in seven. And as a Pelican fan, I take that every day. And it means Anthony Davis wins his first playoff game. It means there's that good narrative because they push the third seed. So I take it. Blazers take it. Blazers in seven. I've got Blazers in six. It's I'm just so they win on your birthday. It's fate that they close it out on my birthday. <laughs> that that's. I would still be fine with that, but it's going six or seven. Um, if it goes seven, it wouldn't surprise me either. But that is my prediction. Uh, Sage, let's go through the rest of the the NBA playoff matchups right after these uh, break from our sponsors. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard podcast. Rosetta Stone is offering a 24-month subscription for less than $8 a month. Rosetta Stone continuously sets the standards in learning to enable people to change their world, and its dedication to improve learning by making it more effective, accessible, and engaging. To try Rosetta Stone today, go to www.rosettapodcast.com slash holybackboard. Again, that's www.rosettapodcast.com slash holybackboard for your special offer to Rosetta Stone. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here, getting ready to break down the rest of the NBA's first-round playoff matchups. Sage, let's start in the Eastern Conference, kind of go a little rapid-fire. Raptors-Wizards, who you got? Gotta go with the Raptors. I don't think Kyle Lowry's going to disappear in the first round. I could definitely see it in the second. But in this first round, Lowry and DeRozan are going to be a little too much for uh, Wall and Beal. Yeah, I've got the... And the Wizards are very thin. The, in. the Wizards are very finicky right now. You have no idea what you're going to get from them. John Wall's been out for uh, a chunk of the season. You've got Twitter battles between the teammates where they like playing without John Wall, it's just a weird scenario. There's no way this team should have ended up in eighth. I think the Raptors finally get over their first round woes. They advance. Uh, The 50-win Cavs and basically 
a, a potential MVP in LeBron James against maybe the most surprising team in the entire league, coached by former Trailblazers head coach Nate McMillan, the Indiana Pacers. Cavs and five. Yeah, I've I've got. I guess I didn't state it and, and for the last one. I'll, I'll go Raptors and six, and, and I'll say say Cavs and five as well. The Pacers are a nice story. Oladipo is great to see him rebound um, and, and make the All Star team, but this is LeBron James. Like there is no way, no yeah. how, the Indiana Pacers are stopping that dude. And who's, I mean, who's going to handle the ball in clutch situations? Are you going to put it in Victor's hands? You're going to have DC run it? There, It's a good, you know, there's professionals on the team, but the one transcendent player is on the Cavs side. Going the Cavs. The 3-6 matchup is the hottest team in the entire NBA, the Philadelphia 76ers, winners of 16 straight and 52 overall, taking on Dwayne Wade and the Miami Heat. I could see this going six, and then the Sixers win it. I think Philly goes in five. They are cooking right now. I I don't know if Miami has anyone to defend Ben Simmons. Um, You've got Markel Fultz, who it's like they acquired someone at the trade deadline. This guy was the youngest player tonight to ever record a triple-double. He's now off their bench. J.J. Redick has playoff experience. Robert Covington is being talked about as a first-team all-defensive player. Uh, when they get Embiid back, he is a potential in- all- defensive all- player yeah. of the year. Yeah. And you've got Daria Saric. I mean, you just got a lot of weapons. And never underestimate the power of a hungry crowd. I mean, this, mm-hmm. it's, it's been the year of Philadelphia. you got the Eagles, and then you got the Villanova Wildcats. You know... The process is working, so I've got the Sixers in five, and then we have the two-seven matchup with the injury-depleted Boston Celtics hosting the underachieving Milwaukee Bucks. Celtics in six. I think Giannis supermans them to two in one. Celtics in five. I think Milwaukee wins it in seven. I just don't know where Boston's going to get offense from in the postseason. You're you're banking on two extremely young players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I know Terry Rozier has played well and Al Horford is a defensive anchor, but you're asking a lot of Marcus Morris. Marcus Smart's out for, for the first round. No Kyrie. Giannis, I, I think this is his time to really prove that he is an MVP candidate. Like, if, if, if Milwaukee had a legitimate coach, and no disrespect to Joe Prunty because he got, got through, thrown into kind of a dire situation after they disposed of Jason Kidd a quarter of the way through the season, but this is a team that has too much talent not to win this series. Hmm. I mean, but the, the who, where's the playoff experience besides Jason Terry? I mean, I think it just comes, well, Al Horford has playoff experience, but, you know, Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown don't have, I mean, they didn't, they, True. they didn't play huge roles last year. I mean, Jason Tatum's a rookie fresh out of Duke. So the one thing I will say is Brad Stevens is, is a mastermind. So that, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if either team won this one, but I'm giving the, the nod to the best player. 
than the best coach. Hmm. Moving to the Western Conference, the one-seed Rockets have to be kind of just shaking their fists at the sky and yelling out why, because they they drew the eight-seeded Minnesota Timberwolves, who just got arguably their best player back in Jimmy Butler, and that's a completely different team than they were with with Wiggins as as the as Robin mm. two cats Batman. And who's going to handle Cat? Is are they is the Houston trusting Clint Capella to? Stay with probably a top four center in the NBA. That's a tough ask. I know Compel is very good, but there is like a humongous weight difference between those two. I could see him getting bullied, but the Rockets are winning this, but it's going to be a little tougher than they would have liked. How many? Uh, Rockets in five? I'll go Rockets in six just because. Minnesota's crowd's going to be amped. First time they've been made the playoffs in 14 years. Mm-hmm. But you also have to re- remember that they, outside of Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose, really have no playoff experience. Um, Teague. Yeah, that's true. Because the, that Atlanta, the Bulton Holes are Atlanta ha- yeah, Hawks. Yeah, a little bit. But really, Cat and Wiggins haven't been there. Mm-hmm. Thibodeau's ran those guys into the ground. They had to fight until the last day of the season to get into the playoffs. They could be emotionally drained. So, and I'm seeing Timberwolves fans wanting to fire, uh, fire their coach. Man, I would how the how the mighty like Thibodeau was the man in Chicago. I mean, he ruined Lou Aldang's career, but he was the man in Chicago. Like everyone loved him. Everyone wanted him. Thunder and Jazz as the 4-5 matchup, I think arguably the most intriguing matchup outside of the one that we watch. What's your take? Who, who do you have advancing? Because I, I can't, I, I'm having a tough time deciding. That's a, that's a tough one. I think it's going 7, and then I'm going to go with Russ and the, the Thunder, but I, I wanted to say the Jazz. I'm going to go Jazz in 6. Ooh. And I know the Thunder are three and one against the Jazz this year, but I looked back at the schedules, and the last time they played was December twenty third. That was really before Donovan Mitchell took off. That was really before this Utah Jazz team took off. Um, like we mentioned in the Celtics Bucks series, Utah has a decided head coaching advantage in Quinn Snyder over Billy Donovan. I think the key to that series for Utah is to make Russell Westbrook shoot the ball as many times as humanly possible. Why I also like the Jazz is when you have Rudy Gobert in the paint, you have to beat them from the outside. OKC of any team in the Western Conference has the worst array of outside shooters. They have no Andre Robertson. He wasn't even a good offensive player, but he's out. And that is a huge piece. I I just... Mellow against Derek Favors. I mean... I, I really like Utah in, in this series. I think they are going to be a load to handle. I know they're going to struggle to score on some nights, and that that's where they'll probably lose lose a game or two. But defensively, I think they're going to give Russell absolute fits. And finally, we have the Golden State Warriors, the defending champions against the Kawhi Leonard-less San Antonio Spurs. 
again, if you're these one and two seeds, you're kind of you're you're kind of like what more do we have to do to like usually in most years the seven and eight seeds are a cakewalk, but the Spurs even without Kawhi Leonard have Greg Popovich who is this that's essentially like having an all star in your roster, and the Warriors are going to be without Steph Curry. They really. Ever since Durant, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson all got dinged up at once, even though they're even though they all returned, they have not been able to find a rhythm. I mean, when I watched the War uh, Warriors play, you know, I don't know if you ever dealt with this in your basketball career, but like, you would pass it to your friend more often than the right play. You would pass it to your buddy, and I've seen. Katie do that, but you know who his buddy is on the Quinn team? Cook. Yep. Like he is feeding Quinn Cook way more than uh Claymon. So I think Warriors win. I think it goes six. Oh no, it goes six because the war the, the Spurs win the first game because the Warriors were fucking around too much, and then the second game they win just because, like, Manu does something awesome. So Warriors in six. I think it's going seven. The Spurs have the best record at home in the entire NBA. I don't think that's something that should be taken lightly. They also have an advantage down low. And if LaMarcus plays like he did in the 2014 NBA playoffs against the Rockets, they're not going to have an answer for him. What San Antonio has going for them is they play smart. They don't waste possessions. They're not going to take a bad shot. They have shooters. They have playoff experience. They're not afraid of, of this team. And again, when you have... When you have Quinn Cook instead of Steph Curry at the point guard, that can kind of throw a wrench into the entire offense. Offense because who's going to get the ball to Clay? Who's going to get the ball to Kevin Durant? We haven't really seen Draymond Green at an A plus level like he was last year. I don't know what it is if they think they're going to flip a switch, but that team hasn't been locked in all year. And to try to flip a switch against Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs feels like a recipe for a long series. I think overall talent is going to win out in this one, but don't overestimate or don't underestimate the fact that if it gets close and KD struggles a bit, then he starts hearing that media, like that he can't lead the team, that you know he was only able to win a championship because he joined Steph and, Steph and the boys. That stuff's going to matter. That stuff's going to weigh on them. So, I think it's going to be close, but I'll, I'll give the nod to Golden State in seven. I think DeJounte Murray is going to look like a superstar because Quinn Quick's on him. Any DFS players that are playing playoffs, DeJounte Murray is a very good bet. Whew. All right, Sage. I think that is an amazing playoff preview that we just dropped at 1248 a.m. Thursday morning. Uh, we do it because we love you. We do it because we love our, our trailblazers and Sage loves the Pelicans. We'll, we'll let him have that one. So <laughs> you can find this yeah. podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, at Holy Backboard. We're also on Dash Radio. As always, on social, 
Facebook, Twitter, and the gram at Holy Backboard. Sage, any final words? Pre-game at Dustin's. <laughs> it's going to be a long, fun series. Pray for my guy. We're going to have a good time. We're going to come with episodes after every single game. So be on the lookout for that. As always, let's go, Blazers. You may be. This is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.